What's going on, everybody? Hope y'all are doing well. Hope you are staying safe, staying healthy, staying sane as you can throughout these not-so-fantastic uh, times. Um, I also hope everybody is trying their best to remain as revolutionarily hopeful as possible about the future and about what is to come uh, for any and all needs to you know, boost some revolutionary optimism, I'd advise that you go check out what's going on in Latin America and the Caribbean with all kinds of incredible people's movements in Brazil, in Barbados, in um, Cuba, in, you know, Cuba, which is incredible, 90 miles away from the coast of Florida, is still building its revolution right now. It is actively revitalizing itself every day. The people are a part of the revolution in a way that we do not understand here. Um, this is an yet another uh, incredible thing that we can witness in Nicaragua, Venezuela, Bolivia, and plenty of other nations uh, such as Vietnam, China, uh, North Korea, etc., where the people are the ones who are in power. It is the people who administrate, the people who govern and decide and dictate what is done, not ruling class governments, not oligarchs, not oil executives, not NATO, not the United Nations, not the European Union, but the people. As we know, there has been yet another uh, intensification in the ongoing conflict uh, in that seems to be centered in the Ukraine which was the uh, Russian Federation's recognition of the two new uh, autonomous regions. Um, This, of course, you know, angered the Ukrainian government. Uh, President Zelensky said that he was going to be, quote, considering uh, reanalyzing political, economic, and social ties with the Russian Federation. Uh, This was as reported by Telesur yesterday. Um, Also, Joe Biden uh, and the uh, United Nations uh, representative, uh, and I think also the European, or excuse me, the NATO representative of the United States, both of them, I believe, came out and said that this was yet another act of aggression by the Russian uh, dictator Vladimir Putin, who, you know, of course, I got no love. I, I, I'm not a, a, a Putin stan, right? Let's understand that. Um, but I do believe in Russia and the Russian people's right to sovereignty, self-determination, and uh, self-governance. But um, anyways, of course... The U.S. representatives to these uh, international military packs and imperialist groups, um, which we must understand them as, it's been unsurprising. Um, you know, uh, the United States is an empire. Let's not forget that. It has 846 bases across the world, or excuse me, 846 plus, I think. Um, I read an article... Um, think it was, I can't remember which website it was on, but I read an article that used 846 as a, as a number of bases. And now for some reason, my, this was a while ago too, for some reason, my brain like really centers in on that. Um, I, it's probably more by now. Um, anyways, my point being there's 800 plus bases across the world that the U S military has. Now these aren't bases like, uh, you know, like you're going to have like a few, you know, hundred soldiers there with like, you know, rifles and, you know, some kind of like protection, but nothing crazy. No, most military bases that the U.S. empire maintains across the world are large enough so that they can connect also with the uh, U.S. presence that's in the embassies in these nations, as well as the oil companies or the, you know, other uh, factories and businesses by which the U.S. would be able to sneak in, uh, you know, any kind of uh, informants or, you know, agent provocateurs, uh, as well as, you know, church groups. The Catholic Church historically has helped the CIA uh, and the FBI and the OSS uh, smuggle in, you know, um, uh, soldiers and, you know, agents and stuff like that. So 
it's an it's supposed to be large enough so that they could wage a you know an invasion and take over against the pre-existing ruling class in that area. Uh, so it's relative also usually to the size and strength of the government uh, in the nation of which it is, you know, invading. Um, of course this is true because empires, imperialists, they don't ever go toe-to-toe with their enemies. You, you never see that. You never see them going toe-to-toe with the people that are really pressing them. They go toe-to-toe with people who literally stand no fucking chance. Like, think about the fact that in, I think it was the 80s, the 80s or the 90s, uh, Granada, led by Maurice Bishop, who you should look up and really learn about, uh, led the New Jewel movement, uh, what was, you know, considered a, quote, nonviolent revolution. Um, and then, you know, this is a country that has a few hundred thousand people, I believe. I I don't even believe they had millions of people there. Um, and the United States sends the Marines in. Like, the fuck are they going to do against that? Granada, Barbados, all these nations in the Caribbean have been colonized and turned into enslaved, uh, you know, ports, essentially, and, and, and fields for the colonists and the imperialists historically. So how is it that they would be able to defend themselves against the U.S. empire, you know, 40 years into its development as the hegemonic uh, capitalist imperialist power of the world? But anyways, I might be getting ahead of myself here. Um, We are staring down the barrel of a possible international conflict. And now, I don't want to bring us to a feeling of anxiety. So I want to stress here that all of this can be avoided. All of the international conflict that uh, is brewing can be uh, avoided. However, it can't just be wished away. It can't just be expected to float away of its own accord. We have to dedicate the time to educating people, to giving them the skills and the tools and the knowledge that they need to be able to properly stand and say, we don't want war with Russia. We don't want U.S. soldiers being sent to Poland and Germany and Romania. You know, we don't want uh, weapons and uh, helicopters and uh missiles being sent to Saudi Arabia, you know, eight years into the war against the Yemeni people that, uh, you know, Joe Biden came into office saying that he was going to end. We don't want, you know, the U.S. to give nuclear submarines to Australia and the United Kingdom, and we don't want, you know, the United States bullying and encircling China, um, you know, for their stance against, um, for their stance against the U.S.'s uh, hegemonic control. We need to dedicate the time and the consistency to developing a movement because it is only movements, it is only the masses that can truly, you know, harness the energy and take that through to political power. It cannot be individual groups, it cannot be ideas, and it certainly cannot be, you know, churches and religion and uh, hyper-capitalism or uh, sex work or it's not going to be any of the it's not uh, pulling yourself up by your bootstraps either that's going to get us to uh, a place where the people of the world are safe, secure, healthy and happy and unharmed by the hostility of capitalism imperialism that cannot be achieved without long, long, long periods of struggle and mass movement and mass organization. I want to discuss here what it is that really gets a movement to kick off. Now, I have no experience. Look at me. Well, listen to me, I should say. <laughs> I, 
no experience. I'm a 22-year-old kid from central New York that happens to be a communist that's organizing to try to make things better in, you know, my own locality, but also globally, doing this podcast, trying to educate myself, trying to educate others, trying to build a political consciousness, right? But I haven't engaged in armed struggle. I haven't been out in the streets beating back the cops. I haven't, you know, led a mass movement. I haven't built a neighborhood organization. The closest I've gotten is I participate in a tenant union, right? And I I have learned already in the few months that I've been doing that so much. So I just want to talk historically because I have spent a lot of my, you know, life dedicated and and delving into history. When I was in high school, I wanted to be a history teacher. Now, I didn't question too much of that history I would have been teaching, let's say that. So now that I'm, you know, running back and I'm, uh, you know, kind of considering, you know, history in a different light, analyzing the situations we're facing with a different angle, I still want to be a history teacher. I just don't want to do it in their schools. I don't want to do it in their universities because then I have to teach what they want me to. And we all sat in those history classes. And if you're listening to this podcast, we all broke that shit down. So we know what that means. We know what that does. We know how bad it would be for us to participate in and propagandize for this fucking empire. And as much as a lot of us want to say, well, we'll, you know, we'll do it covertly and be able to propagandize and educate. Yeah, I've had some great history teachers that have pointed out shit to me and shown me what is wrong and everything like that. But, you know, disconnected from anything else, you know, unorganized and trying to take on the school system as individuals and, and, and saviors, right? We're not, we're not going to be able to beat the burnout, unfortunately. A lot of us, you know, have a difficult time realizing that like we do need to be organized we do need to join you know parties or groups or uh tenant unions or work unions because we need at the very least a basis of support a basis of you know uh encouragement and a basis of uh hopefully you know political education uh strategizing tactical uh assessment and uh really, really, really trying to take these ideas out of the abstract and turn them into real movements that overthrow and eradicate the pre-existing relationships between the people themselves and their exploiters, their oppressors, those who sit in the halls of power, who hold a majority of the wealth, and yet allow for billions of people globally to live and die half-butchered lives just simply so that they can continue to accumulate more wealth and more power. That is the difference between a, quote, democracy for the people and a democracy for the ruling class. We are commonly told you are not oppressed. You are not exploited. You have power. You have liberty. You have democracy. You have freedom of speech. You have the right to assembly. But do we really? Because you see, I can't get on MSNBC and I can't get on the ballot and I can't get on my local, you know, uh, school board talking about the things I talk about on this podcast because either they'd ignore me, they'd slander me, they'd suppress me, they'd shoot me, or I just simply would never get there. Because they got their they got their homies, right? They know who their crowd is. They know who their class is. Look in the halls of power. Look at the police departments. Look at the National Guard. Look at the military. Look at the power that they have, the control, 
the dominance and the force to eradicate just about any form of resistance that could ever, or so they think, amass itself. But yet, if we look in countries across the world who have historically thought the same, that has not remained true. If we look here on Turtle Island, we know historically that this dominant and, and you know, imperialist force in the settler colonial project here in the military powers, police forces, and national guards that uphold those systems are so, so, so much stronger, so much more funded, so much more trained and uh, uh, armed, better armed too, better trained, better technology than any other military across the world by tenfold, twentyfold. And yet, they haven't been able to eradicate our indigenous comrades from the face of this earth the way that they've wanted to. They have not been able to get rid of our black, Chicano, Latino, and Asian comrades as if they thought they could. Because resistance, my friends, resistance to oppression and exploitation is the thing by which we will lead our way out of this awful, awful, unequal class society. And again, for those who might not know, class society is that period in which historically society split itself into those who had and those who had not. Those in power and those under the power of those in power. Those who own the means of production, the land, the resources, the tools, the labor forces, the markets, the distribution, the roads, the governments, the militaries, and those who suffer under the oppression of those forces. There are those who exploit and there are those who are exploited. There are those who oppress and there are those who are oppressed. We must, 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 must never forget to center this in our conversations about anything to do with changing the reality that people are facing today because the difference is how can you expect in a society that is run by approximately 0.325% of its population who has been able to attain and continue to uphold and maintain its power through the use of military occupation, forced labor, sexual enslavement, and other forms of exploitation and oppression for the continued, again, wealth accumulation and power, hunger, and control. How is it that this society that I have described here. How is it that we can expect this society built the way it is on the foundation it is over, you know, uh, and through the way that it has uh, kept itself in power over time? Um, How is it that we can expect this society to provide for the many? We have given it 500 plus years. Capitalism, that is. Class society, thousands all the way back to the Greeks, the Romans, and the split between the traditional communalistic matriarchal societies that human beings had maintained for thousands of years across the globe and the patriarchal societies based on state power, uh, military control, and exploitation and oppression. How is it then that this society can be expected after 500 plus years of not doing so to fix itself and to uphold a reality that is beneficial to the majority and the many, the actual people who make up and build the society we live in today? It can't. It won't. It will not. It is impossible. It's contradictory. It's illogical. It's irrational. It is not going to happen. So then what then, right? What then? 
Well, class society has not existed always, and so we can expect that class society need not exist always and can not exist always because ultimately class society in and of itself has been the very, very, very minute, very base uh, foundation by which capitalism, slavery, imperialism, uh, militarism, and many other forms of exploitation and oppression have come to the fore because there are people who have power and people who don't. That is important. There was once a time when human beings each had the equal say in what was going to happen because if anything happened against them, they had the power to do something about it. At least more so than we do today. Not everywhere and not always. But yet you look at what's going on today. You look at the reality that's facing, you know, the uh, uh, people in Colombia as their reactionary U.S.-backed government continues to oppress and assassinate activists and organizers of the community. If you look to countries like Poland and Romania and other Eastern European countries where neo-fascism is coming to the fore once more, where abortion is being eliminated as it's being attempted to be eliminated here in the United States, where the people's ability to organize themselves into political parties is not allowed in countries like the Philippines, where the Communist Party has been blocked from the electoral ballot by the dictatorship of the fascist Duterte regime and the uh, underlying dictatorship also of the fascist street gangs and the uh, Marcos clique, which still is attempting to take control of the government, keep control of the economy and continue oppressing the Filipino people today. If you look also to places like Nepal, Yemen, Afghanistan, you got 30 million people in Afghanistan who are at the verge of starvation because the United States has for 20 years plus, again, there's always a plus at the end of every single date that we put on here because before it was physically being oppressed, it was economically being oppressed. And before it was economically being oppressed, it was physically oppressed in a different way. So anyways, 20 plus years of straight up occupation of Afghanistan and most of what we consider the Middle East, aka West Asia and North Africa, still is going on today, right? But in Afghanistan, the United States government has decided that it is going to try to appropriate the $7 billion that the Afghani people have put, or the Afghan people have, uh, you know, produced and put in into existence through their forced labor and oppression that has been stolen and appropriated by uh, the U.S. government in uh, the European uh, banks, in the North American banks, uh, have, you know, stolen from the Afghan people. They want to take that and they want to give half of that to the survivors and the victims of 9-11, which had fucking nothing to do with Afghanistan because most of the fucking terrorists were Saudi. Gee, but we'll give fucking billions of dollars in guns and helicopters and fucking anti-aircraft you know, weaponry and all kinds of bullshit that they don't even fucking need because the Houthi just have fucking homemade grenades and rocket launchers and are out here wearing goddamn sandals and shooting rifles at fucking the, you know, the the UAE, the United Arab Emirates and the Saudi coalition, right? They're the largest militaries, the largest economies, the largest and most developed governments in the region. What the fuck can the Houthi do against that? They can resist and they continue to against all odds. But at the end of the day, we can't sit here and pretend like they're working on the same level, right? Anyways, yet the same thing happened to the Palestinian people right now by the Israeli occupying uh, settler colonial genocidal forces that the U.S. has also given billions of dollars to. All of this, mesh it all together, what do we got, right? We've got a fucking terrible situation got a fucking awful situation where a lot of people are dying right now right fucking now they're dying right now 
And we have the opportunity here within the belly of the beast, within the empire, to do something that no other country, no other people can truly do alone or really at all because of the position that we occupy within the imperial core. We can organize first and foremost, meaning that we can get the groups that are already working towards doing this to come together, to meet with one another, to learn from each other and figure out how we can build allegiances and work towards a future together. The second thing we need to do is we have to take all of that and we gotta give it to the people. We gotta start getting the truth out there. Why is the United States trying to go to war with Russia? Because the Nord Stream 2 gas link pipeline that is going to go through Russia is going to connect with Germany and is going to start fueling all of Europe instead of just France and Germany. The United States doesn't want that. Why does the United States want to go to war with China and nobody else does? Because China produces the world's materials and have overcome the U.S. GDP in a record time and has brought a billion people out of extreme poverty, given them education, given them power, given them administrative control, given them something to believe in and given them the ability to not simply be stood on and stomped down by the U.S. empire. They don't like that. That's why they want to go to war. Not because Putin's aggression. Not because of President Xi and communism. Communism is nothing to the United States government. Communism is everything to the United States government. Vaccines are communism. Liberalism is communism. Putin is communism. President Xi is communism. That is quite a movement. Can you believe that communism has taken over and nobody's really been able to capture it? Jeez. Yeah, that's because at the end of the day, when the United States says such and such is communism, it means such and such now has a target on its back an approximate amount of time before we go to war with it. We have a clear opportunity that most of us, including myself, are not actively engaging in and actively participating in as we should. That opportunity being a mass movement here within the United States that disallows them to further oppress the people across the world, forces them to bring soldiers home from across the world, forces them to siphon money away from the military bases across the world, forces them to stop being able to give as much money to Israel or to Saudi Arabia or to the AFRICOM or to, you know, uh, any of the other imperialist uh, military packs or nations. It takes it makes it so that it has to look inward. It has to fight on the inside and it cannot at that same time protect each and every point of crisis of. I'm trying to think of every single point of impact. It cannot protect itself everywhere. And when we have a mass movement here in the United States and the police are repressing us and killing us and beating us and throwing us in jail and kicking us out of the country and putting our faces on TV and calling us terrorists, it's going to cause a lot of conflict in some of people's lives. You remember in 2020 when everybody was posting Black Lives Matter? Yeah. We want that, but like those people not just posting. We want them in the goddamn streets. We want them out there beating back the cops that are trying to kill people in their fucking neighborhoods. We want them defending women against the onslaught that the U.S. government and the reactionary repressive forces within the U.S. government have tried to uh, take on against women and non-men Uh, It has to be something that fights for trans folks and their rights to life as any of us do, just as we do. And, you know, also in that way fights for every group of oppressed and exploited people to fight for their liberation the way in which they need to lead that liberation struggle with our support and with our solidarity. We need to make sure that exploited and oppressed people do not remain exploited and oppressed. One of the best and first things that we need to do in order to resolve that is to give them power. Give them control. The best way to learn how to be power is to be 
be in power is to be out in the streets organizing, working with people, handing out food, handing out clothes, helping to get people houses, trying to pass legislation. All of that can be developed outside of the halls of electoralism. We do not always need to focus on this idea that, oh, well, if we just get this person elected or if we just get this person elected, that's going to be it. Surely if we were to have one, you know, a Sanders administration rather than the Biden one, we might be in a semi better situation as in regards to the pandemic and in regards to organizing. But that's certainly not necessarily true considering the way in which states and local governments have reacted to each and every one of these crises and not necessarily followed suit. Never, never once have these governments always followed suit with the federal government. So if we want to focus on elections, we want to get people in power, do local elections, do statewide elections, but also build what's called dual power which means outside of the normal halls of power, build neighborhood community watch groups that when the police come in and try to kill someone, they don't allow that to happen. Develop local lawyer groups and eviction protection agencies so that when landlords try to kick tenants out for not paying rent or for anything, you know, else, that when that shit is out on the front porch, they break that fucking board down and they put that shit back indoors. We have to understand that at the end of the day, the struggle which we are trying to lead is not necessarily one that can always be above ground, can always be dotting the I's and crossing the T's of the legislation and legal, you know, uh, forces that are in power. Because the lynch mobs and the, you know, roving gangs of white supremacists and the police off duty and the National Guardsmen and the military and the other reactionary forces on the ground that are out here killing people right now, every day, right now. They don't follow the law. They don't just try to kill people through electoral processes. They don't just try to pass legislation so that they're allowed to, you know, shoot people or hang people or go in and, you know, sexually assault people. No, they just do it. So if that's happening, if we know that's happening, then there has to be a force which stands against it, resists it, and fights back against it. We cannot allow for anyone to continue to suffer against reactionary violence of any kind in any form, which means we have to start looking at the ways in which our communities and our neighbors are being oppressed, are being exploited, but also being beaten on, being taken advantage of, being, you know, straight up killed. And we got to figure out how it is that we as organizers, as communists, as socialists, as the proactive, progressive and liberatory forces within the United States and elsewhere can be doing something about that. And I use these terms progressive and liberatory loosely because I believe that at the end of the day, we cannot expect that it will simply be communist, it will simply be socialist, it will simply be Marxist-Leninist that will lead this struggle. We need the masses. We need the masses of all kinds from all walks of life. We need the masses from different national, ethnic, religious, and cultural backgrounds. We need the masses in different levels and different stratas of life. And we need to make sure that we connect with them in the same way and bring them to a level of unity, of equality, of equity, fighting for an egalitarian society that believes that each one of us deserves everything that we need as human beings to survive, as well as safety, security, and sanity, especially in a society so technologically advanced, wealthy, and powerful as the U.S. empire, and especially given the wealth that the U.S. empire, the European Union, NATO, and other uh, reactionary and repressive military imperialist forces have stolen the wealth from all of these peoples. It need not be that the U.S. empire becomes the leading socialist project of the world, but it need be that once the U.S. empire is overthrown, the wealth, the money, the power, the uh, uh, everything that the colonized people and the imperialized people have seen stolen from them be returned to them and that they be given the opportunity to develop their power, their e- economies, their environmental uh, systems and structures, and all for their own want, all for their own interest, all for their own benefit through their own administration, through their own holding of power. That is what we must fight for today. So 
in kind of like furthering that discussion, because I really do think that we really like can't just expect that that kind of a movement, that kind of a successful resistance is going to just, you know, snap, take off right away. We're going to have a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of years of trying to figure out how to make it work together, right? If we look at just about any organization, any mass movement or mobilization that has taken place historically across the world, one thing that you see time and time again is the fact that these groups also often have their internal contradictions, which we've talked about on the show before. The working class, especially of Turtle Island, the working and exploited people here do have a lot of contradictions, right? There is the fact that this is a settler colonial state, as well as the fact that half of the, uh, you know, uh, nation at one point was uh, full of enslaved uh, people who were taken from their homes and made to and forced to labor for the benefit of the capitalists. And, you know, now, 150 years later, more, or geez, 150, God, a few hundred years later, we have a population of, you know, descendants from folks who were forcibly brought here that we can't expect that, again, they're going to be told, okay, yeah, you're just going to be American and that's going to be okay. That's not what, you know, folks want. And we also know that if we look at the immigrant population, there's many contradictions there as well. Different national ethnic backgrounds, different religious ideas, different ideas also of what needs to be done to go forward to solve the problems we're facing. And all of that also stoked and added to by the capitalist imperialist system so as to sow division between the masses and make it that much more difficult for us to organize, for us to come together, for us to have unity, and for us to work towards the same goal. It takes a long, long time, and it's going to take a long, long time before any kind of revolutionary movement is able to successfully take hold of the needs, of the power, and of the energy that exists and wield it for the benefit of the revolutionary masses, the people, and exploited and oppressed groups themselves. It cannot be understood any other way. We know that difficulties, complications, mistakes, learning opportunities, all will come. We know splits will come. We know divisions will come. We know disagreements will come. And we know a lot more will come. We also know that amidst all of this, we will be constantly under fire in the press, in physical force, in our own organizations and at each other's neck if we fall into the ploys and the plots of the capitalists and imperialists, the infiltrators, the agent provocateurs, the intelligence agencies, and the absolute fucking opportunists and chauvinists that believe that something akin to a United Socialist States of America would be the way to move forward. We need to rid ourselves of this idea of America, rid ourselves of this absolute settler colonial state known as the United States, and work towards building a united front on Turtle Island against imperialism, against capitalism, against colonialism, against racism, against patriarchy, but for socialism, for community, for power and administration and control in the hands of the dictatorship of the proletariat. That meaning in the hands of the entire class of oppressed and exploited peoples, not 
simply just those who are educated, not simply those who have government positions, not simply those who, you know, are socialists already, not simply those who can right now attain power, but to actively build a force which is capable of and working towards eradicating the forms of oppression today and putting hand the power in the hands of the masses of people themselves as a class against the former ruling class dictatorship of the capitalists and the imperialists. This is the only way going forward that we can hope to be as united, as, uh, you know, solid, as um, consolidated as possible. It is only this way that we can expect that together we will be able to actively fight against the repressive and reactionary forces that will double, triple, quadruple, multiply by 10, 100, 1,000 times in size, in force, in violence, in desperation, as we continue to fight them back, they will continue to fight back harder. We know, historically speaking, that no revolution has worked in one fell swoop, in one insurrectionary move, in one act of expropriation. It is a movement, a process, a project, a revolution is a growing, changing, developing, remolding, reassessing, and revitalizing movement, which is intent on continuously putting more power, more control, more of the wealth redistributed into the hands of more people every single day. We cannot expect it to be perfect. We cannot expect it to succeed right away, but we must hope and we must build so that one day we have the power to make it to the next, to improve tomorrow and to be better tomorrow. I personally feel that I have a lot to learn. I have a lot to experience. I have a lot to engage in and, you know, I definitely don't think that I have any kind of expertise or understanding that you yourself cannot have. Read, engage with people, go join organizations. Literally, one thing that we we commonly forget is kind of the, the backbone to this movement is like, you could just go like help people. Like, you don't need to be always this like red flag carrying you know communist in every conversation and every interaction that you have you can be a communist in a true in the true sense of the word and build communism by building relationships, by building connections, by building community. And that does not always have to be done with the quotations of Mao in your hand or with Marx in your hand or with Lenin or Trotsky or Stalin in your hand. If you're really committed to the words on those pages, do it. And when you do it, the people will find their own interest, not because you sat there and lectured them for an hour about why it's important, but because they realized its importance in watching the ideas come to reality through our organization, through our attainment of power and control and our willingness to give truth and knowledge and skills and administrative control to the people. We want Soviets. Now, they don't need to be called Soviets and they don't need to look exactly like the Soviets and workers' councils of, you know, Soviet Russia in 1917 looked like, but they do need to take from the Soviets in the way that Cuba has, uh, Nicaragua has, Venezuela has, China has, Vietnam has, Burkina Faso has, and plenty of others. We have to take from the revolutionary projects that we're able to consolidate, not just lead insurrections, but consolidate power. 
They overthrew the government. They fought back the reaction. They fought in the repressive periods. They fought the civil war. They fought out all the capitalists. They expropriated the wealth. They expropriated the land. They expropriated the power. And they built an entirely new society from the ground up. That is far different than just a group of people who shoot some guns and kill some cops. We have to understand how much there is to learn, how much needs to be done, how much needs to be understood, how well it needs to be understood, why it needs to be understood. And none of that will come easier or in a much more efficient manner than going out in the goddamn streets and finding out for ourselves. Let's go do it. Let's learn together. Let's build together. Let's grow together. Let's build a new world. Because right now in the United States, we are across the world. Our military, the military of the country, which we have citizenship in, is actively murdering and torturing and raping and pillaging across the world. We are also paying, funding, arming and supporting millions more who are doing the same thing. I'd like to say that there's a militant spirit that I have. But one thing I've noticed in my own life is the difficulty of taking that spirit into reality. Now, I have social anxiety I have depression, and not for nothing, I also, like, genuinely um, don't know all of what I'm doing. I read books, and I talk about what the books talk about, and I talk about the ideas that the books talk about, and I talk about how those ideas can only come from the reality and how reality is what ultimately shapes ideas. So, therefore, organizing and experience is what's going to teach us, but I personally have yet to gain much experience. I say that openly and honestly because I want to be transparent. I want to be truthful. I don't want you coming here thinking that I'm some authority, some uh, figure by which you should necessarily take at face value. You need to investigate everything I say. You need to investigate how it applies to your reality. You need to investigate, investigate, investigate. And at the end of the day, you need to also go out in those streets and get some experience right beside me in your own community, in your own way, however you can. The people are what makes up the base, right? That's what I was starting to talk about. So we need to do some base building. We don't have a base. We don't have a strong presence here in the United States, right? So what we need on Turtle Island is to go around and knock on fucking doors. We need to knock on doors. We need to have club meetings. We need to meet with students. We need to discuss with local organizations, nonprofits, and non-governmental organizations how, if at all, because I don't necessarily always believe that they can, they can get involved. We need to talk about passing legislation. We need to talk about also the backbone to that legislation and understanding that if there is an electoral government in place that is not willing to put legislation through, if and when it does put legislation through, it will probably not do anything to uphold and maintain that legislative uh, 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 um, dictate. So looking forward, we can't rely on the mediums and avenues by which they have set up for our changes to have happen. We have to look at the revolutionary history of the proletarian revolutions, of the revolutions of the workers, of the masses, of the exploited and oppressed people themselves. We have to look at this. We have to study it. We have to study it in all its forms, in its complications, in its complexities, with all its contradictions, in all historical periods, but especially understanding that today we cannot just simply copy and paste what has been done before and expect that it's going to work. We have to also study the material conditions facing people today and think up revolutionary and radically different ways in which we can approach these situations that have not been necessarily successful or able to be built before and we need to be the ones to make them successful and to build them if we cannot do that then it is our fault all the people that will die or live half butchered lives going forward because we know that it is not the ruling class uh and the positions of power the 
structure and the relationships which exist right now that is going to lead to change. So we cannot blame them. We cannot always continue saying it's because of capitalism. It's because of imperialism. That is a given. Now what are we going to do about it? We cannot blame the people. Never. Never must we blame the people. The people are made ignorant, made poor, made hungry, made desolate and desperate, made to struggle and suffer, and made to be divided and hate one another, and made to be disorganized and disunited. So who is left? It is us, the conscious people. We must bring the revolution to the people, make it theirs, and we must make the revolution of the people take over, and we must win. Long live the revolution. Long live the revolutionary people. Solidarity with the um, Yemeni people, solidarity with Palestine, solidarity with China and the Chinese people and their project and their socialist building, solidarity with the Russian people, with the Ukrainian people, the masses, the working people, the exploited and oppressed folks. Solidarity with the people of all walks of life from all over the world because it is only together that we can fight the ongoing intensification and militarization of imperialist wars. We must denounce imperialist wars. We must denounce NATO. We must denounce the United Nations in any way except for when it is upheld and beholden to the United Nations Charter, but even then we must be the ones to make it so. We must join these, you know, groups of, uh, you know, unions and neighborhood councils and, 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 you know, self-defense groups, and we must put pressure on the United Nations, put pressure on different internationalist groups to either get with it or get gone, otherwise we're going to get going and go against you. And we know what happens when the people come together and fight for their liberation, revolution, wins and we must win so we must win together we must denounce imperialist wars of all kind we must denounce the militarization and nuclearization of the united states and other u.n security council member states as well as their supporters across the world we must denounce the sanctions against cuba the sanctions against nicaragua the sanctions against venezuela we must condemn the unilateral embargoes and uh, economic acts of warfare, hybrid war against socialist and self-determining nations across the world. And we must announce it strongly, clearly, and for all to hear that we must fight. We must win. We must struggle. Again, long live the revolution, folks. We'll see you next time. Peace.